You are listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. Amen, amen. Be seated, please. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody. Welcome, Holmes Kids. Glad to have you guys in here with us today, too. I'm looking forward to our uh, time together now in the Word. Thank you, worship team, for that time of worship. I want to welcome everybody that's online with us as well. My name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and I'm grateful that you have chosen to join us today. Um, <clears throat> as always, at this time, I want to remind everybody about our uh, giving through, uh, our worship through giving. Uh, so if you uh, would like to choose to, to give and give generously, you can do so uh, by all the avenues that you see there on the screen, or you can give to an usher uh, as you depart today. Uh, but if you want to do that to contribute, to continue to give towards the mission and what God is doing here, that would be awesome. Um, and uh, however the Lord leads you to do that. But if today is your first time or first time in a while, we have been journeying through the book of, the, through the book of Acts in our last mini-series uh, entitled The Third Missionary Journey. And in this third missionary journey, we're, we're looking at the last missionary journey of Paul. And uh, coming off the tail end of last week, we saw how this riot breaks out after Paul's teaching and the way in which the gospel is going forth. And uh, we pick up today right at the tail end. The, the riot has ceased and uh, some things come about. And Paul begins to go about encouraging believers. And uh, you can see there on the, on the screen, the title for today's message is Encouragement Along the Mission. Encouragement Along the Mission. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a goal or something in mind that you wanted to achieve? I think we all have at some point or another, right? Uh, whether maybe you went to college and you're like, I've got to get this college degree. That was your goal. You set forth to do it. Or uh, maybe you had something else. Right? You wanted to try to strive for uh, a promotion at work to uh, move up the ladder or whatever it may be. We have all at different points in our lives had a goal in mind set forth that we wanted to achieve. Um, whether it's uh, training for something like 5K races or stuff like that. Like whatever it may be, there's something that we've all had different points in our lives where there's been a goal before us. We wanted to pursue that goal and make it to where we came to know that goal in completion. Now, I know for me, as I was working through my seminary degree with Southeastern Seminary, uh, it, it took a while. Uh, what, what is normally a traditional three or so year program turned into six and a half for me. Uh, one is because I'm bivocational and I work and I have a family and all of those things. And there were a couple of semesters where I just had to take a break because it was a lot. But there was this goal that was set before me. But I remember a couple of those times when things were rough. There was a constant in my life. It was always the Lord, obviously. The Lord was always a constant. But the other constant I had was Miranda. Miranda was there, and she would continue to push me on and encourage me to pursue the goal that was set before me. Uh, there were many times where I said, babe, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I, this is too much work. It's, it's hard work, and I, I just need a break. Or, okay, we'll take a break, but then get back into it. Don't take too long of a break because you won't want to finish. Like, you, you know, there's this goal that you have set before you. I'm going to encourage you and help you along the way. And I'll never forget on graduation day, they have a moment in the graduation ceremony where they have the, the wives and family members uh, stand up to be acknowledged. And I was like, man, I wish that she could just walk across the stage with me because she encouraged me throughout the journey. And many of the guys that were there said the same kind of thing. 
You know, there's many times in our lives where we have this goal before us and we're pursuing it. And there's times where it gets hard. Things are rough. And we have those people in our lives that come alongside of us and that encourage us to stay the course, to stay focused on what God has called us to do and to do those things. Um, and, and for me, I mean, like I said, it was Miranda, it was my family. Um, that day of graduation, my mom and my mother-in-law were there with us too, with the kids. Like, there were those people that we have in our lives that come alongside of us that rally us and it cheer us on. And if we didn't have that, it'd be difficult to get through these things, right? There'd be some days where we just say, man, throw in the towel, I'm done. I don't want anything to do with it. But thank God we have those that encourage us through our journeys in this life. And as believers, we are called to follow the Lord with obedience and to serve him while we're here on his mission that he's called us to. And if we're honest, life gets in the way and the difficulties of serving on the mission can make us be worn down and make us even say, ah, I don't wanna do that. Ah, it's tired, I'm tired. I've got these other things going on and a lot of times our priorities are out of whack if we're being honest. But it's those times we're like, man, I, I just can't do this. But we have brothers and sisters in Christ who come alongside of us, who encourage us. And that gets us through. It gets us through. It helps us to stay focused on the journey ahead. We all need encouragement along the journey. And today we're going to see the Apostle Paul do just that. Now, as Pastor Walter said at the beginning, it is Family Sunday. So um, for the sake of time and, and the fact that there's, there are 16 verses, but I want the, the kids to try to be able to stay as engaged as possible. Pastor Brian's going to try not to go too long today. Praise God, right? So we are going to, I got a lot of good response on that. Uh, we are going to just dive right on in, but I first want to pray. So if you will, join me in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we are so grateful, Lord, for you. God, we are so thankful, Lord, that we have the opportunity that we're gathering here this, this morning, Lord. And God, on these fifth Sundays, I, I, I know it can be difficult even at times for those that are sitting with the kids and the congregation, Lord, and the kids are focused on so many different things. And, but Lord, these fifth Sundays are one of my favorite Sundays of the year. And we get four of them, Lord. And it's a beautiful picture of the children being able to come in and join the, the body and to worship alongside of us. So, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for our time that we're about to have in your word. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you would speak boldly through me and clearly. And, Lord, that we would leave from here, Lord, uh, with something uh, of, of what you want us to have to move forward on our daily pursuit of you on the mission Father, I do want to lift up Pastor Hayden as he's now in the pulpit. I pray, God, that you'd speak boldly through him there at Portside, and God, that you would have your way. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, for this passage today, believers are encouraged are, are to encourage others while we are on mission. I've got two points for you today. The first point is this. Hope you're taking notes. Encourage partners in ministry while on mission. Encourage partners in ministry while on mission. Look again, or let's look at verse one of uh, Acts chapter 21 through 16. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. 
Now, as we said, as we recall from last week, this riot has happened. The riot has ceased. And now it's the, the coast is clear, if you will. And so Paul calls for the disciples to come. Because remember, the disciples last week, they tell him, like, hey, you don't need to go out there. You don't need to be involved in this. You need to stay clear because something could horribly happen to you. Let's stay clear. And so it's now time. It's ceased. And they're out. And they're, Paul calls for the disciples to come to him. And he wanted to spend some time with them. He wanted to encourage them before he departed yet again. Now, it's interesting to note about Paul and, and what he's doing here. Because Paul, I mean, he's never been one to shy away uh, from his calling, has he not? Like, as we've been journeying through, ever since we saw Paul mentioned there as Saul back in Acts 7, when he's looking and approving of Stephen being stoned, we, we have this picture of Paul, and we see how God continues to develop him and use him much through the rest of this book. And as we know from our letters in the New Testament— He's been through so much, and yet, although he has been through so much, many trials, God told him, told Ananias when he went there to him in Acts 9, remember, he says to him, he will suffer much for my name's sake to get the message out to the Gentiles. We know Paul suffers greatly. He suffers greatly throughout his journey and his calling, but even though that is the case, he still needs to see through his calling. He still needs to encourage the believers, the disciples. And we have to ask, like, what, so what was this encouragement? Was this some kind of pep rally speech? Well, we don't necessarily know. But I bet you 100% that there was prayer involved. And there was ways encouraging them to stay focused on the goal that's before them. We know from when Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he says, not that I've already attained it, but I press on towards the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pursuing the goal. We, we mentioned this yesterday at Miss Rosie's funeral. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7, where Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, he's nearing the end of his life, and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I've kept the faith. That, that should be hopefully our response when we come to the end of our lives here on this earth. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have run the race. I'm ready to be home. That was true of Miss Rosie's life. It's true of Paul's life. Look there at verse 2. He says, when we had gone through those regions, we had given them much encouragement. He came to Greece. Now, when, when we're reading this and we see where they're at, I'm just going to give you some context really quick of, of what's happening here. We're not 100% sure how much time Paul spends there in Macedonia, but it does appear to be a prolonged period of time. And scholars believe that the period of time between Paul's leaving of Ephesus and Macedonia for Greece, or Corinth, as we read about later in 2 Corinthians, plus the pastoral activity that he's done there in Macedonia, it's somewhere probably around a year to a year and a half that he has been devoted to doing the work that he's been doing while he's there. He's been devoted to it. Matter of fact, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that while in Macedonia, he hears word from Titus of good things that are happening in Corinth. So he writes to them before he even goes back. That's where we get 2 Corinthians. And you remember, if you've read through 1 Corinthians, Paul's bringing the hammer down. He knows there's some stuff that's not been going right in Corinth. And so he's hearing the news of good that's happening, so he's excited. He wants to go and be a part of the time with them. He wants to spend some time with them. When he sends this letter, he's going to go and, um, to Greece, as, as Luke says here in this text, and he gets over to Corinth, and he spends about three months there with him, encouraging them as well. And while he's even there, 
he writes the book of Romans. So it's, it's really cool. If you, you might come and look as you're reading through the Bible and you get to the New Testament, it's really fascinating to see as we've been journeying here through Acts, these things are taking place that Luke writes about. But then as we read the letters later on in the New Testament, they're happening at the different time periods by which Paul is in, in the places where he is in Acts as we study them to Romans, to Corinth, to the others. We can see from the first two verses of this chapter that Paul valued encouraging the people that he loved in person. He wanted to be with them as best he could in person. Matter of fact, when he writes that book to the church at Rome in chapter 1, verses 11 through 12 of Romans, he says this, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. You see, this is Paul's heartbeat. Encouraging the people is Paul's heartbeat. Brings me to this point of asking a question. Is this your and I heartbeat? Is this our heartbeat? That, that we want to encourage people, that we want to encourage the body. Are we so overcome with joy by what God has done for us through Christ Jesus that we want to be a blessing and encouragement to others? And take it a step further. Just asking a question here. Just asking a question. If we were to poll people and ask them about us, would they say we have more of an encouraging spirit or more of a discouraging spirit? Let that soak in for a minute. We as the people of God, and I'm not saying that every day is perfect. I know I struggle. My wife right there will tell you that Brian doesn't get it right all the time. You can amen that. She's shaking her head right now. My mother-in-law just amen that. God help me. Um, we know, we know that every single day is not going to be hunky-dory perfect, but we as the followers of Jesus who have been redeemed by his precious blood we should be so overcome with the joy that has been given to us, redemption of our sin, that we want to proclaim it and demonstrate it to a world around us, that we want to encourage the people that God has placed in our lives, that we want to encourage the body that is before us. Verses three and four, I'll read together. It says, there he spent three months and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater and Berean, sons of Pyrrhus, accompanied him and the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius and Derby of Derby and Timothy and the Asians, Tychius and Trophimus. We see here that Paul gets wind of an attack that's about to come upon him, so he sets sail back to Macedonia. And then Paul lists these different people who are accompanying him. You might say, well, who are these guys? They got funky names. Who are these guys? What's up with them? What are they doing? These are partners in ministry of Paul. They're from the other churches. They're there to be with him and to help him through his journey. Now, let's make something of note here, something that's very important. I think by now that you all have noticed that we value partnership here at Holmes Avenue. Do we not? We value partnership. Why is it that we value partnership so much? Plain and simply this. It's a picture of the kingdom of God, number one. And number two, we can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. 
We strive very much. We want to see the Great Commission fulfilled in this generation by loving God and loving people. The mural out there on the wall shows the one-mile radius of our area of circle of accountability. Within that same area are other gospel-believing churches that are our sister churches that are on mission along with us. We have to partner in ministry because we have to do it to be able to reach the people in this community that are lost and far from God. Here at Holmes Avenue, we value so much partnership that we have partnership with all of our sister churches, with Charleston Bilingual Academy, Christ-Centered Solutions with Dr. West, Calvary New City Church with Pastor Matt out in Colorado, Youth for Christ Puerto Rico with the Peel family down in Puerto Rico, the Dyer family who's now serving in Southeast Asia as missionaries, and of course, we've got the Charleston Baptist Association, the South Carolina Convention, and the Southern Baptist Association uh, Convention. Why am I saying all that? It's to paint a picture to us that partnership is a high value here. We value that because we desperately need to have partners in ministry to carry the gospel forth. Matter of fact, quick aside, you'll soon be able to see it out there in the Welcome Center, but I've got several of our partners' cards right here by the piano. I want to encourage you to something. If you're not praying for our partners in ministry, there's an opportunity right there for you to take one of those, stick it on your fridge, and be praying for those people. Put it in your Bible. Whatever you need, take that so you can be praying for them along their journeys. We can't accomplish the mission alone. We have to partner with others. When it comes to the local body, Pastor Walter alluded to this last week, we can't Assume that only certain people do the work of ministry here. We all are part of the body. We are all called. Each of us are gifted by God in different ways to use those gifts to accomplish the mission. I may not have the best gifting that's like a right hand, but you do. And it helps the right hand to work. It's just like the human body. We are the body of Christ coming together here at Holmes Avenue. We work with one another, partner with each other as a family on mission to pursue the people in our lives that are lost and far from God that God has called us to. See, Paul, he valued these partnerships. He valued those partners who are with him on this journey. And he mentions them here. And he mentions them in his letters throughout the New Testament. Partnership was so big for Paul. Let me encourage you. I want to encourage us to value one another and value those partners in ministry that God has given to us. I said just a moment ago about praying for the cards, the people that we are partners in ministry with, and we pray for them throughout our time together on Sunday mornings and whatnot. But I also want to take it a step further and ask you, are you praying for one another? Are we praying for one another? I don't want a response right now. I just want you to think through that. Jot it in your note. Am I praying for my church family? And, and when I say that, I don't just mean your leadership, although we, we certainly need your prayers. But I mean each other that are on this mission together. When you think of the Norris family, you pray for the Norris family and you pray for hope. Don't just forget about the kids. Pray for the entire family. So many other examples that we can mention. Pray for one another as we are on mission together. Verses five and six I'll read together. 
These went, on, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where they stayed for seven days, where we stayed for seven days. We see here in verse five first that the partners went on ahead and they wait for Paul and his crew there in Troas. And then they spent time in Philippi. They worshiped with the Philippian church. They enjoyed the Passover. And then they sailed for Troas in five days. And while they're there, they're there for another seven days. They spend this time together. Paul was so focused on encouraging the believers who were there. So we must remember to encourage partners in ministry while on mission. Secondly, encourage while being with the gathered body. Encourage while being with the gathered body. Verse 7 says, On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Now here we see that the seven days are about to be done, and it's time for Paul to move on to the next, but it's the last day, and it's time for them to come together one last time. Now the Scriptures tells us that it is the first day of the week. It tells us it's the Lord's day. It's the time that we come together to gather for worship. Paul prolongs his speech. He gives it till midnight for him to start. Now I'm going to let you all in on something. We joke around about this, but the scriptures tell us that Paul started his speech at midnight and it didn't finish until daybreak. Started at midnight and didn't end until daybreak. I don't want to hear anybody complain about me or Walter's length of preaching anymore. All right? All right? Amen? No, I'm just kidding. But they spend that time together and they do so and it's the time where they come together at night. It gives people the time that they've been working throughout the day. Everybody has this opportunity to come together and gather. Now, verse 8 tells us there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. Many, many lamps. Now, remember, there's no electricity, right? So they've got these lamps. The people are bringing them. Everybody's coming in with these lamps. So that tells us if there's many lamps in this upper room, the room is not that big. It's probably half the size, if that, of this room that we're in right now. There's so many people that are coming in. It's on the third floor, as we'll read in a moment. And so it is stuffy in there. The smoke from the candles. There's a great deal of people in there, okay? Can you picture it in your mind? There are a lot of people gathered together. Now, this tells us a couple of things. It tells us that so many people are coming in. The many lamps indicates the number of people that are there. But it also tells us that since the last time that Paul was in Troas, much fruit has been made. Because people are coming in to hear from Paul preach the gospel. And then we come upon verse 9. Verse 9 says, A young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Here we see. Eutychus falls asleep at the window, and as he falls asleep, he falls out the window, hits the pavement, he's dead. Now, let me put a little aside here. I chuckled when I saw that this passage landed on the fifth Sunday with the kids being in here. All right? Kids, if you fall asleep, I understand, but thankfully, parents, they will not fall very far, right? They're not going to fall too far. But I chuckled when I saw that. I'm like, oh, of course, this passage on the day that I'm preaching but we see that he falls asleep. Now, why, how in the world, besides the fact that it was a long period of time and he's sitting there and it's a young man that he's hearing the preaching, he starts to doze off and he falls out the window. 
Why was he at the window in the first place? Well, it's a stuffy room full of smoke. So he's probably at the window to get some air. And as he's sitting there, we've all been there, whether you're in class or where you've been sitting through my preaching, we've all been there. We're sitting there. We're like, oh man. And you start to get heavy. This guy falls asleep and he falls out the window and he dies. Now, comedy aside, let's look here at verse 10 and see something powerful that takes place. Verse 10 says, Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms, he said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. You imagine being the people? Eutychus has fallen out of the window. Everybody goes in panic mode and they rush downstairs to find him there on the ground. He's no longer with us. And Paul goes and he picks him up in his arms and he goes, don't be alarmed, he's all right. He's alive. You gotta imagine everybody's like, what, what? What is going on here? But see, this isn't the first time that we see something like this take place, does it? Matter of fact, in the book of Acts, we just saw it earlier in chapter 9, where Peter raises Dorcas from the dead. We've seen it otherwhere, other places in Scripture. I'm just giving you a few. There's places that, that I don't have listed here. Elijah, he raises the widow's son in 1 Kings 17. Elisha raises the Shunammite's son in 2 Kings chapter 4. Jesus, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus himself resurrects from the dead. The power of the gospel. I don't want us to just breeze by this and just read it and say, oh, that's cool. The kid fell out the window and he died and he came back to life. That is an amazing thing that takes place. And it shows the power of God on display. God is able to raise the dead. Let's sit in awe of the fact that God has raised us from eternal death. Right? If you and I, we are in Christ, we proclaim Christ, we have been redeemed of our sin and our shame. We have been saved. If you profess Christ, you have the promise that when your breath is done, you take that last breath and you die on this earth, you are in the presence of Jesus because of what he's done for us. We have the day of coming when it's the day of the Lord where the dead are in Christ, they're buried wherever they are, they are brought up before those who are still there. Resurrected. He has given us resurrected life because of the promise of God through Christ Jesus and his sacrifice. Paul raises this young man from the dead. Raises him from the dead. And then verse 11 tells us, and when Paul had gone up and had broken the bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. Paul enjoys this meal. It includes the time of eating and breaking bread together. Probably the Lord's Supper taking place here. It is the Lord's day. They come together to do that. And then he spends time with them continuing his sermon speaking with them until it's time for him to depart. Let's look closely at verse 12. They took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. They took the youth alive and were not a little comforted. What does verse 12 tell us? Here again we see that God, through Paul, has done something not even intentional of Paul. Paul didn't go into it thinking, well, I'm going to preach, somebody's going to get bored, they're going to die, and I'm going to have to resurrect them from the grave. It wasn't on Paul's plan for the day when he went into the message. 
Yet Paul, through following God and using the power that God has given to him, he resurrects him through the grave. That power is speaking in the name of Jesus. This young man is brought back to life, and these people, the scripture in the ESV specifically says, were not little comforted. They were comforted tremendously. They were in awe of the fact of what God had just done through Paul. They witnessed this young man die and be brought back to life. It comforted them. It encouraged them. There while they're gathered together in the body. We then read in 13 and 14, but going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Asus, intending to take Paul aboard there for he had arranged intending himself to go by land. And when, he met, when we met at Asus, he took him on board and went to Mytilene. I'm going to go ahead and go into 15 and 16. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. And the next day we touched at Samos. And the day after that, we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to set sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hastening to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. We see all these plans of, of what Paul had planned on doing with walking, and so he walks ahead of them. He meets up with them again. All this to say, Paul was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. He wanted to be there for the day of Pentecost. Yet this boat that he's waiting on to go from there to Jerusalem, it has to be in port for a few days. So as we're going to see next week, he actually has the time, the opportunity to spend with the elders at Ephesus, the Ephesian elders. And I guarantee you, in that time that he's with them, he's doing the same thing that he's always done. He's encouraging the believers. He's encouraging the elders. Now, from this passage today, we've seen just how important it is to encourage one another while on mission. The days can be hard. The journey seems long. However, you and I are called to seek to fulfill the great commission. And Lord willing, we will prayerfully see that come to be as we love the Lord and we love the people that he's called us to around us. We need each other and we need our partners in ministry. So I ask you this question as we conclude. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? I want to ask this question. Do you need encouragement? Do you need encouragement? And it's not just this, this hunky-dory feel good stuff. I mean, like, do you need somebody to sit with you and listen? Do you need somebody to listen and not just spill out stuff to you that they think you want to hear, but you just want somebody to truly stop and listen? And after some time, prayfully give you some godly wisdom to encourage you. Folks, if that's the case, and I believe that probably is the case, we need each other to come alongside one another and do that. Walter and I are glad to do that with you as much as time will permit. But there in turn, again, each and every one of us are redeemed by God and have ears to listen. We have compassion because we've experienced the greatest form of compassion that can ever be shown to us through God in Christ Jesus. So if you need encouragement, I wanna challenge you, reach out. Reach out. Hey, I could really use you to just sit and listen for a moment so that 
you can hear this and you can just pray with me. Hey, so-and-so, I'll be honest, I'm really lonely. And I just need a a sister to come alongside of me and and help me. Hey, so-and-so, man, I I don't like to admit this, trying to be all manly and stuff, but man, I could really use a brother to come alongside of me and help me. I'm going to tell you something right now, because I have believed this lie myself. It is foolish to think that we can get through this life by our own strength, our own power, and on our own. We have to have brothers and sisters that love us, that keep us accountable, and that are there for us no matter what, throughout the journey of life. And that is what the body of Christ is supposed to be for one another. So I pray that each of us will model what we've seen the Apostle Paul model for us. Ultimately, I pray that we will model what we've seen the Lord Jesus model for us. We need each other. We're the family of God. And if the world that's around us is truly going to see a transformative work in and through us, they need to see the body being the body. That's not me saying that we're not doing that because I know that there are many of us who are doing that. It's one of the reasons why when we're going through what we're going through in, in pretty much all of our groups right now, We're keeping each other accountable. We're going to be keeping each other accountable. It's not to be legalistic. It's not to hold something over your head, but it's to say, hey, I want to encourage you. I want to come alongside of you. And listen, sometimes encouragement doesn't feel like encouragement, but it is. Sometimes we're going down a wrong way of the path, and that brother or that sister is there to say, hey, let's, let's get back straight. And that's a good thing. That's a gift from God that we should value. So we want to encourage you. We want to pray for you. We want to equip you for the work of ministry. So whatever it may be that the Lord is speaking to you today, I want to encourage you to take the time to pray and to reflect. And ask God, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Maybe the Lord is telling you, hey, I need to reach out to somebody. Maybe the Lord is telling you, hey, I need to be the one to reach out to help somebody. Maybe you're saying, Pastor Brian, I I don't even know how to take this step forward in what you're saying because I don't even know what it means to follow Jesus. That's your first step. We can help you with that. But I want you to take the time to reflect and to pray. We're gonna move into the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. Pastor Walter's gonna come forward and uh, our deacon brethren, if you're here, um, just evenly split up on each side, if you will. We're gonna move into a time of the Lord's Supper. And when we do that, we're gonna have a moment to reflect quietly Maybe repent of sin because 
You're gonna hear in a moment as I read from the scriptures, it's very clear to not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And if you have sin in your life that you need to repent of, you need to do that first. And if you're not at the place where you feel the need to be able to repent of that, I wanna encourage you, don't partake. So, I want to go ahead and just pray for us now, coming off of this passage before we move into the Lord's Supper, because some of you have responded to me while I was tying up things at the end there. I really believe the Lord is doing something right now. So let's just pray for a moment, and then we'll move into the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I thank you, Lord, for this message today from this passage. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what is done to me this week. And Lord, I thank you in advance, Lord, for even what it's doing for maybe somebody right now. Father, I pray for those within the sound of my voice that really need encouragement along the mission. Whether they feel lonely, whether they feel inadequate, whether they feel like they just can't do what they need to do for your name's sake because of the sin that they're just wrestling with, I don't know what that is, Lord, but you do. Because, Lord, you know each and every one of us intimately. You've created us, Father. For those of us in Christ, you have redeemed us. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, that as you are speaking, God, that we would listen. Or that we wouldn't just listen, but Lord, we would take to heart what you are leading us to. And Lord, that we would be obedient. And Father, we would take a step, whether that be to encourage or to ask for encouragement, to ask for help. Lord, I pray God, that you would strengthen this body so that it can be used by you, Lord, in ways that leaves us speechless to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel to those that are around us. Father, we pray, God, that you'd have your way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.